When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. The Minnesota Vikings are pretty much the best team in North American team sports to never win a championship. Welcome to Before We Die with Jesse and Thor on Purple Daily and Score North. What's going on, everybody? This is Monday's edition of Before We Die, brought to you by Purple Daily, Score North. I'm Jesse Pierce. He's Thor Nystrom. He's Ross Brendel. We're here to recap a Minnesota Vikings win over the Detroit Lions at U.S. Bank Stadium yesterday, 28-24, to uh, moved to 2-0, top of the NFC North, 2-1 overall. Um, guys, it wasn't a pretty win. It wasn't a win that was like... Hey, hoorah, this team is back what we saw against the Packers, but it's a win. It moves them again, 2-0 in the division. Uh, a big victory for Kevin O'Connell and crew in general. Are we feeling okay about it? It wasn't a throttling. I do need to bring this up because <laughs> people don't forget. Pull the receipts. It was not a throttling. It was a very close game, Thor. Thor thought they were going to hand it to him. You had the Detroit Lions fans all up in our feed, all up in our business. Uh, Thor, what did you make of the game yesterday? Well, as you know, I thought the Vikings were going to win by double digits, and I do need to take that L. I, you know, I'm big on accountability. I, I think a lesser man would say, you know, we didn't know that Harrison Smith was going to be ruled out, and the Vikings won by four in a game they missed two field goals and had four, four fourth down conversions allowed. Yeah. But I'm not going to say that. No, Th- that L is on me. I dropped to three and zero straight up predicting Vikings games and two and one against the spread. I, I, you know, I, I expect more of myself, and I think the audience expects more of me too. And I will be better going forward. But as far as the game itself, very weird game. Uh, I felt like Dan Campbell outcoached uh, Kevin O'Connell for fifty eight minutes of that game, and then completely imploded in the last two. And it, it was really weird. Um, like it was, it was like this chess match that, that O'Connell was just consistently losing. Like I said, until the last two minutes when Dan Campbell made two extremely bizarre decisions, where like me and everyone else, I was within the room. We're like, looking at each other, like, wait, did, he's Dan Campbell's actually going to do that. You know, I'm, I'm talking about when he was going to go for it on fourth down. And then the announcer's like, oh, it looks like they're not going to do that. And, and me and the people I was watching it with, we thought that they were going to punt it. Then they decided to go for this super long field goal, even though, Siebert had already missed a long one, and Siebert stinks historically from 50-plus yards. So I, I don't know what the Lions were doing at all. They gifted the, the Vikings awesome field position. The Vikings get that one pass where they're in quasi-field goal range, and the clock is running, and the Vikings are sort of meandering up to the line, and you're sort of rolling your eyes because you're like, oh, no, they're, they're playing for a long field goal to force overtime when we've already seen Joseph miss these other field goals in the game. And, and you're just shaking your head. And then Detroit inexplicably calls a timeout to stop the clock. So the Vikings could regroup the very next play. KJ Osborne's wide open in the end zone. 
and and we go from there. And then Metellus dropped the one game winning interception, and then he got the game winning interception on the very next play. So I mean, you'll take it for sure. I mean, absolutely, a field goal at fourth and four with a chance to win. Dan Campbell's like, nah. Never mind. I mean, we talked about what a great dude he seems like, and I use the word dude in direct reference to the big Lebowski because he reminds me so much of him. Um, probably a great guy, as Ross brought up, but uh, probably he's not going to last as a coach. I mean, those decisions at the end of the game were, again, Detroit handed it to Minnesota to try and try again. I was listening to it on my way to the XL Energy Center, those final couple drives, and I was like, what is going on right now? Like, not being able to watch it. I just was like, this sounds absolutely insane so i mean you feel for dan campbell in his second year here he's he's turning the culture around i think he's got players believing and again detroit looked good in so many areas against the minnesota vikings but a lot of that's on minnesota as well faltering in in plenty of areas you know we talked about uh one area that i think was particularly good for minnesota kurt cousins guys kurt cousins he was okay right and that's fine we'll take okay we will take mediocre for mr cousins all that we can um are we encouraged by the way that kirk played yesterday especially considering uh you know justin jefferson having a little bit of an off game but luckily adam thielen and, and delvin cook and stuff like that kirk cousins able to kind of maneuver some things um what did we think of mr cousins yesterday cousins was okay it, it wasn't it wasn't the peak cousins we were hoping for especially initially um I, you know i thought he was missing guys i i felt like he missed jefferson a couple times although Jefferson, you know, overall got locked down by Okuda, but I, I felt like that storyline was a little bit overblown because I felt like Cousins missed uh, Jefferson a couple times, and I felt like the refs missed a couple times when Okuda absolutely mugged Justin Jefferson. It was almost like he had weapons on the field. It was just like tackling Justin Jefferson. Um, I, like those were weird, but then they did. They were catching Amani Awarie what he was doing on Thielen. So at least at least they were calling those ones. But yeah, you know, Cousins did have the, you know, at the very end of the game, that that was a great drive. And overall, the stat line looks okay. But initially, you were expecting better from him uh, against that Detroit secondary, I think. I think overall, with the with the victory yesterday, you can be happy that they got the win, but you can also nitpick at what went wrong or maybe you didn't like so much. But overall... You have to be happy that they're two and one. Jesse said it two and zero oh in the division, which of course still puts Minnesota in first place in the division. And I, I think it's Cousins wasn't great yesterday, but I still overall am more pleased with how he played. And I'll, I'll frame it to you this way: I'm not oh. convinced that game last year, the Minnesota Vikings win if mm-hmm. Mike Zimmer and Gary Kubiak are running the show. So that alone, you have to feel pretty good about. What What do we always poke fun at Kirk Cousins for if, if you're anti-Kirk Cousins or you're neutral on him? I mean, the list goes on and on. Can we, well, like, let's be honest, right? There's just, there's a million things. <laughs> typically, he'll get the ball back with a chance to move the team down the field and you'll get a lot of three and outs and you'll get a lot of these, you know. You didn't see that yesterday. So mm-hmm. I, I, want, I want to give him credit for that. I, I feel good about that. And, and look, Overall, to win a game, you probably shouldn't have won. Hey, take it. You'll yeah. take it. Because newsflash, this is the NFL. The Vikings are probably going to lose a game this year that they sh- that they shouldn't lose. So you hope it works out. You hope it evens out. 
I'm largely optimistic about the game. There's some things that I didn't like that I think we'll get into as the podcast goes on. I mean, they don't ask how, right? They they just care that you made the win. So there you go. One of the things that, again, we kind of alluded to, Justin Jefferson. Do you think teams, obviously, it's very clear, they know how to shut him down. It seems like they've done their research. Um, you know, you have not seen the Justin Jefferson from that very first week one game against Green Bay since uh, currently Jefferson is ranked 37th among pass catchers with a 68.5 grade through three games. Cooper cup, obviously number one, Stefan Diggs leads the NFL in receiving yards and touchdowns. He is third at 88.1, uh, leads us into there. Are they said it? My first one from coach Kevin O'Connell, Justin had a huge impact on this game. It just didn't show up on the stat sheet, but that's not good enough. I've got to do a better job getting Justin looks of lining up in different spots and personnel groupings, whatever I need to do to help. To that same uh, tone, Jefferson said, it's frustrating for sure, but I asked for it just playing the way I've been playing, just being the type of player that I am. Those double teams and triple teams are going to come, but that's the luxury of having Adam and KJ on the other side. You guys, how are we feeling about where Jefferson is at? Again, I mean, he's he is. He's getting the attention he deserves being a very capable receiver, but, man, having him you know, almost invisible out there is not great. It, it's well said by O'Connell, though, because Detroit, I mean, not only did they have to, to uh, delineate their top defensive resource in Okuda to, to lock him up, they were also given over the top help the entire game. Um, the, the, the thing that Jefferson is going to have to figure out is that thing of getting mugged within five yards of the line of scrimmage. And uh, to my earlier point, I think Okuda a couple of times did it further than five yards down the line of scrimmage. But Jefferson is so good getting off of the line with his releases, and he's so good early on in the route, mixing up the tempo and 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 sort of introducing doubt into the defensive back's mind about what he's going to do. And so you sort of get him off, you know, off their center of gravity, and then you make your move, and all of a sudden you're open. Okuda's like, I'm not playing that game with you. I'm just going to get my hands all over you. And so Jefferson's going to have to figure out how to work through that physicality. That, but I think what O'Connell is talking about, it's Detroit is is taking away two defenders to try to erase him. So now they're playing nine on 10 the rest of the field. Well, what do the Vikings have to do to, to you know make up for that? You got to get the ball to Thielen. You got to get the ball to Jefferson. And the boxes are going to be uh, more thinned out because typically the, the defense is going to be playing two deep safeties against the Vikings. So the running game needs to make up for it as well. There was portions of this game where that was happening. The, the offense doesn't begin to devolve until the secondary pieces aren't taking advantage of the, mm-hmm. of the extra spacing that they're getting because of the attention that Jefferson is getting. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned Adam Thielen. I know we were joking. We got a Thielen guys. He, uh, who has held, he's been held the seven catches for 88 total yards in weeks one and two combined, but was targeted eight times, finished with six catches for 61 yards and a touchdown. So it's obviously good to get him going. He's from Minnesota, in case you guys didn't know. I believe he went to college here. Too, <laughs> undrafted, so. I think. I think he was undrafted. Uh, good okay. for him. No, I mean, you do have that opportunity. And then, as I'd mentioned, and I very poorly bragged about to you guys in our text thread, uh, I wanted to see Dalvin Cook more involved in this game against Detroit when we were heading into it as we were previewing it last week on Thursday. We saw that Dalvin Cook looked good. Dalvin Cook gets hurt. A little bit of a butt fumble runs into the rear end of his own Minnesota Vikings teammate, uh, injures his shoulder, the shoulder that has plagued him with injury for some time now. Um, sounds like he is day to day should be good to go for the London matchup uh, against the new Orleans saints this week. But what did you guys think of Cook? You had mentioned you got to get the the running game. Is he going to be good to go in New Orleans? And how important is it going to be? Because really, if you look at the schedule, these next couple games for the Vikings, 
we're rattling off W's, I think. Well, first off, I owe him an apology. And I got to get this out um, before we die. I thought it was the obligatory. Dalvin's really good at this and receivers love to do this too. I thought it was the Dalvin obligatory. I fumbled, so I'm going to act like I'm injured. Ah. Turns out he was actually injured. So I apologize for that. We'll see. To Thor's point, uh, going back a few pods, this is probably why you held on to Alexander Madison and you wanted a third or fourth round pick for him. And if you didn't get it, you probably thought you were better holding on to him. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly why. I-, I think if there ends up being a game or two, and there probably will be where Cook doesn't play, I don't think it's all going to be Madison. I think you'll see Wong Wu a little bit, but I think this is the number one reason why you held on to him. You wanted to have that insurance policy who, by the way, could probably start for 10 to 15 teams in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. you know, going back to the injury thing, I, I do think it's it's kind of notable that Delvin, you know, when he fumbles the ball, a, a big percentage of those plays, he ends up with an injury. And in this case, it's a re-aggravation of a previous injury where they're saying, oh, you know, like he wasn't wearing his harness and now he's going to wear the harness. My question is, why weren't you wearing the friggin' harness then? That fumble, not only should that have lost the Vikings the game, I thought the season was over when, when he fumbled it. You fall to one and two then. You're facing an uphill climb the rest of the season. You cannot fumble that ball in the third quarter driving on their side of the field when you're down by 10. It's inexcusable to me. And if there's something that could have been done to prevent it in advance, they're, they're bringing up this harness, this harness, this harness. Why weren't you wearing the harness is my question. It probably limits some of the mobility that he feels like he needs and it's not comfortable, right? Like that's oh, there's your answer. Having never well, been injured in, in my life, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, in that case, if, if it's going to depreciate his performance enough, then he shouldn't be playing, right? Yeah. Like, but but to to like put all of that fumble on that injury as though oh nothing could have been done. I I don't I don't buy that. He 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 fumbled the ball with no defender touching him, like you mentioned, just running into the backside of his offensive lineman. If you know your shoulder is compromised. To that degree, why are you holding the ball around your waist heading into the line of scrimmage when you're about to make contact with your offensive lineman? Like, I, you know, I, I'm sorry, but I, I just had to bring it up. I, you know, if, he, if wearing the harness is going to help him, great. It, that should have been done in the last game. And by the way, Delvin, if your shoulder isn't feeling so well, secure that ball. Yeah, nope, that seems fair. You know, we should we should have a coaching clinic with Delvin about that, probably. I think you I could. Me, I on. mean, I'm yeah. telling you, I can hold, like, think about it. I hold on to a baby very well when I'm doing other things. I can do that with a football. No problem without running into High people. and tight, high yeah. and tight. Exactly, That's, it would be fine. You know, another thing I wanted to talk to, in addition to the butt fumble, something else very funny, cheeky, hilarious to me. Cheeky if fun. you guys have seen, yeah, you like that? If you I guys did. have seen Key and Peel, Hingle McCringleberry. You guys all familiar? Looking oh, back, Jamal Williams for Detroit gets flagged. One too many thrust, guys. You can't can't do too many of those uh, those pumps. Does How annoying NFL, is it to not have fun? Does the NFL rule book have a limit on thrusts, or is well, it you just know there's no gotta thrusting? Be the counts. Period. Yeah, I think it's like a three thrust limit. I he did four. Wasn't it? Wasn't it last year, Thor? Didn't we say last year that we were really going to cut down on flags for celebrations? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, apparently that was one thrust too many maybe a bit <laughs> too lewd too because it didn't look like anything that should have had a 15 yard penalty again you'll take it but it just seemed a little bit 
like an overreaction. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, NFL color guys, they, they very, you know, the announcers, they very rarely make me crack up live. The announcer immediately saying one too many thrusts when, when the play <laughs> came out, I was dying. So I, 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 I forget who was doing the color on that game, but whoever it was, shout out to them because that was hilarious. Just one too many pumps. You got to have a many. little bit of fun. There you go. But uh, again, Jamal Williams, two touchdowns, in fact. So, I mean, he Turn had a good clock, which, uh, which leads me to my next problem I have with the Minnesota Vikings because I need to bring both of you guys down to reality. The secondary defense continues to struggle and struggle, and they just have not found. I mean, yes, you're putting all of your weight on Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter, but what do you do to continue to fix these defensive woes? I want to talk about Lewisine too, guys, because that's not panning out quite, I think, as we had hoped, especially now with his huge opportunity as Harrison Smith remains in concussion protocol. What's your guys' take on the defensive situation now that we've seen them three weeks in and nothing's really, in my opinion, improved too much to really kind of rest any of the concerns I have for this team being a complete football team? Yeah, you got a two-pronged issue of the run defense and then covering receivers. And I think one of them is correctable. I think the run defense thing is, is correctable by putting more guys into the box, by being more aggressive in that way. Up front, they have guys that can control their men. You saw a couple of times Harrison Phillips has taken out multiple guys. Like he, he creates lanes for the guys behind him. Tomlinson, we've seen him do that over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and Zedaria Smith was making plays against the run as well, beat, beating his man, et cetera. I, I think that thing is correctable with scheme adjustments. The thing that's not correctable, I don't think this year at least, is the coverage because mm-hmm. you, you went into this season hitching your way against to Patrick Peterson and to Cam Dantzler and then Sullivan in, in the nickel spot where you don't really have anybody behind him. And the depth of, of you know, in, in the cornerback room, it's not the best. If you don't trust Andrew Booth yet, for instance, now you have to play your fifth round rookie from Missouri, a Caleb Evans, et cetera. And then, the, you know, the, the safeties as well. That's a thin room as well. If you don't trust Louis seen, and I, I, I know we're going to get into that, but it's weird that they're still not playing Louis seen, even when Harrison Smith misses the game. I think one easy way, not think, no, one easy way to help your secondary out, your safeties and your cornerbacks is to get more pressure on the quarterback and I or corner to help your cornerbacks get more pressure on the quarterbacks. If I didn't <laughs> say that right. Yeah. I'll rephrase that. Uh, Thor outside of week one in the first half, I don't think we're seeing enough pressure from Daniil Hunter and Zedaria Smith at this point. And I don't know if the Vikings can do anything to schematically help them out a little bit. But so far through three games, it looks like the Vikings are content to have very limited blitzes, rush three or four, drop seven or eight. And I think that's fine and dandy if your front three or four can get some pressure on the quarterback. And I just don't think at this point they're getting enough. And that, in part, is how you make cornerbacks that maybe aren't so great look even more pedestrian-like. So I would love to see somehow some way for Hunter and Smith to start turning up the pressure again, like it's Aaron Rodgers. Because in all honesty, Jesse, you talk about the complete football team. Aside from that first half against Green Bay, I mean, the last 10 quarters haven't been super stellar. I mean, Mm -hmm. the four quarters in Philly were awful. The last two quarters against Green Bay, I don't want to rip them too much because I think they were dialing it back to be safe because of how well they were playing. Yeah. But there, there's a lot to nitpick from the last eight quarters. And I think it starts with getting pressure on the quarterback, which they're not doing enough of at this point. I, I think it's a great point, Ross. And I mean, to your point, Daniel Hunter so far has only six hurries in 99 uh, pass rushing snaps. The 99 pass rushing snaps is nine more than Zadarius Smith. It leads the team. 
And Zadarius Smith, he has nine hurries. Uh, I mean, Daniel Hunter is tied for second on the team, I suppose. But, like, that's where you expect him to excel. He has not excelled in that so far. His pass rushing grade is, is way, way down. He's also missing a ton of tackles early on. He's been a little bit better when they sort of fan him out in coverage than I thought he would be after he spent the early part of his career as a hand down four, three defensive end. So I have been a little bit encouraged with it. You've seen him make a couple of plays when he, when he drops back, stuff like that. But the stuff that you thought he was immediately going to excel at screaming off the edge as a pass rusher so far has not been the case. We have to give him the caveat of he hasn't done this during his pro career, you know, playing in the three, four as a standup outside linebacker in the same, mm-hmm. I mean, Darius Smith had, Right, like in Green Bay, they they play a three-four. He's playing basically the same role there or here that he was playing there. Whereas Daniel is learning something new, but I think Daniel needs to make some adjustments, and then hopefully Donatel can do something you know else with the scheme that can help him out too. But he is not causing enough uh, disruption yet. To Ross's point, yeah. What do you guys make of uh, Patrick Peterson? We had mentioned him briefly. It's just kind of it doesn't seem to be anything really, right? I mean, he's he's not. He's, he's got that veteran experience, which everybody was very excited about. Again, looked great week one, and he's been absent ever since. I mean, is that okay, or do we not need him to necessarily excel? Obviously, it would be very helpful, but what are your thoughts on, on Mr. Peterson? I thought Peterson, you know, the first game, they didn't really – it didn't really matter because the Packers receivers stink, especially with Lazard mm-hmm. out. And then the second game, he looked terrible in my eyes. This past game, he looked better to me than he did in in the second game. Um, so I, you know, I mean, I you know, I, I'm not. I would rather have a different starting outside cornerback than Patrick Peterson. I think that's a spot that could be upgraded. But since you have to go forward with him, that was at least a somewhat encouraging sign. He wasn't great, I don't think, but you know, again, I, I think he played better than he did in in the Eagles game. And they basically just need him not to get singed. But am I concerned about it? Yeah, I mean. He, does he have the athleticism anymore to keep up with like elite outside receivers? Right. I don't, I don't really think so. And the thing is the lions don't have a guy like that on the outside that can test you uh, going back to what we were talking about last week. Amon St. Brown is an awesome receiver, but he's a slot guy. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and the lions will not have a guy that can threaten deep until Jamison Williams comes back in November. It's the reason they traded up to, to go out and get him. So yeah. I, I think that the matchups were Patrick, you know, the, uh, Patrick Peterson, but also the, the Vikings outside corners in general, where that's going to concern you. It's when you face those teams that have the really good receiving cores like the Eagles did. Yeah, no, it's just about as concerning as Kyler Murray is as my starting quarterback for fantasy football. Uh, anyway, which I also lost again, fantasy obligatory fantasy football mentioned. drop by Jesse Pierce. Derek Henry finally did something for me. Kyler Murray, you're, I'm going to trade you. I mean, I don't know what to do with you anyway. Uh, and then kind of study final... more tape, Kyler, I guess. Huh? <laughs> Ooh, I know he said he did his homework. Uh, final point. I want to bring up about the Minnesota Vikings, 28, 24 win on Sunday over the Detroit lions on today's before we die brought to you by purple daily and score North kickers. It would not be the Minnesota Vikings if we didn't talk kickers, mostly because I know our dear friend Ross really wanted to use his uh, hot Joseph Summer, cold Joseph Fall tag. Uh, You know, I got to appease the people. Two 56-yarders missed their 56-yarders, right? So the concern's not there. But should there be worry about Greg Joseph because the confidence 
all, you know, that might, yeah. that might sound to your confidence, right? All, Ross, this is all you, man. This is I'm going to hop in here. The only thing I'm worried about is that missing two kicks badly could mess with confidence. Sure. But if he drills the first kick in London, I'll feel a lot better about myself. Uh, encouraged to see every extra point was pretty much center cut and right down mm-hmm. the middle. But uh, again, Vikings, don't tempt fate by talking about stuff about the kicker and putting it out in the stratosphere. Don't do it. But no, I'm not super worried. I I would say one of my nitpicky things is I'm not sure you need to send him back out there for another 56 yarder after one had missed poorly. I probably would have punted that football or just went for it. Kicking a field goal would have been last on my list at that point, even Mm -hmm. though we know Greg Joseph can make them. He has made them before, but Man, when you see the first one miss horribly, I don't know if you need to tempt fate and see it again. At the end of the day, they won the game. He did his job by making the extra points. I'm not going to I'm not going to, you know, crucify him too much for missing 256 yarders. I just worry about the confidence. That's But what it. if he made it? What if he made one of those? You know, what if he made that second one. Quarter what of if- an inch, Charlie. Quarter what if I was missed completely? Yeah. What if I was 6 foot 4 and 220 pounds? Yeah, you, you may you wouldn't be doing this with us. I tell you that. I right don't now. think I don't, don't think, think so. Would. Don't think you would. I, I will uh, say he was nine for twelve in his career from fifty yeah. plus before those attempts. So he has given you you know at least some confidence in those. But I, I agree with Ross's point when he missed that first one really bad. When they sent him out for the second one, I was like, uh oh. I mean, I, I don't know that any Vikings uh-huh. fan was super confident mm-hmm. that he was going to make that second one. I. I think I would have called something else, and I think most of Vikings Nation probably would too. What was it? The doors? We were trying to blame the doors for the kickers missing on the broadcast yesterday. Can <laughs> can we really blame the doors that much for the three long field goal misses? Yeah. Anything to not blame the players or the coaches. I mean, yeah. Thor is an expert at telling you how to make up the excuses for for losses, as we were had seen at the beginning wait, of I, this episode. I, I, wait, so. I thought I, I'm the guy that doesn't make excuses. Doesn't I'm make all excuses. About just drops them and just finds out. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna flip one back on you two here. Who's the best team in the division right now? Is it the Vikings? Is it the Packers? Could it be the two and one Bears? I, I actually, I'll, I'll go first. I actually think I'm going to walk both sides here. Very political. I actually think if I had to pick, I would say the Packers are the best team in the division. But I'm not going to do that because the Vikings beat the Packers. So by default. That makes the Vikings the best team in the division. But right now, right now, this division looks like it's, as we all talked about, it's probably more than likely going to be the Vikings or the Packers. And it could come down to that game in Lambeau later this year. Well, I, you know, I'm the resident uh, Green Bay Packers fan. So it's the Pack. No, (laughs) I don't like the Packers, but they're, they're really, they're good though. They're still good. Again, you, I think that week one, game it's an anomaly more than anything it's the exception it's not the rule right like i wow. general i'm sorry wow. i'm not that's not a diss on the vikings oh, people are gonna tear me up yes, they <laughs> are. So i'm so sorry guys <laughs> um no i mean i do i i am more encouraged by minnesota even in these pat even in that philly loss it was terrible but again i i i don't i'm not straying too far from me thinking that it goes through green bay but it would not surprise me if Minnesota pulls that in and does claim that number one spot. I, I, I completely agree with you there, Rod. It's it's one of those two teams without question. Yes. Again, as they go back to like the scheduling, the schedule is favorable for the next couple games until they meet Miami, right? Which Yesterday, I do. I'll give credit to Thor for saying that very early on. 
I'm sorry to cut you off there, but yesterday continues to me for as frustrating as it was to overall be an encouraging win, because I just don't think in recent years they win that game many times. I'm mm-hmm. going to go ahead and say that Thor believes the Vikings are the best team in the division. Your first place Minnesota Vikings are the best team in the <laughs> NFC North. That's it? That's all you got for us, huh? That's all what I got. They're in first place with the tiebreakers, baby. And they're the what, best about, what about Lewis Seen? We ever going to see him? Oh, boy. Um, this one is a whole can of worms. We might have to start an investigative podcast series to address this. <laughs> Maybe we can find Louisine. We could, you know, we could start searching around the Twin Cities, see if we can find him. Uh, I don't know what is going on there. Um, and the coaching staff is not going to tell us. I I mean, it's it's certainly a thing of they don't trust them yet. My supposition is is that it's because of decision making on the field, because it's certainly not an athleticism thing. That kid is super duper athletic and he's got great ball skills and everything like that. He's a flash player when he gets there. But mm-hmm. the, the one question you had about him was. The decision-making, because when he played at Georgia with all those studs, if he made a mistake on the field, triggered downhill too early or something like that, it wasn't going to affect him because the pass rush of Georgia was going to be there so quickly or someone else was going to be there to help him out, et cetera. I would have to imagine that's why they're not playing him. But it was, I mean, like you can go back to, to you know, before the very first game when we thought it was weird that the Vikings had ruled him out with this very minor injury that nobody knew about beforehand. And I sort of thought that they were, they, they were making him a, they didn't want to make him a healthy scratch. So they made him a non-healthy scratch. Then in the second game, he only plays one snap. Then in the third game, Harrison Smith is ruled out what a day or two before the game. And it's like, okay, now we're going to see scene, maybe platooning with Metellus, but we're going to see quite a bit of him on the field. Well, we did not see much of Louis scene. It, it not only does it appear like, well, for sure. He's obviously behind both Bynum and Smith. He is also, of course, behind Metellus since Metellus played the entire game and he did not. It also troublingly appears like he might be behind Miles Dorn. But uh, Josh Metellus, I think, played well Sunday, like at the same time. Yeah. I mean, I, you know what I mean? Like, I think Lucy not getting the defensive snaps. He still had, what, 15 on special teams for the second straight week, which, yes, it's it's concerning. And I think it's weird um, and probably in- inherently frustrating for Lucy, who I think tweeted that while he was sitting out, right? Didn't he tweet about like time will tell something very cryptic? On was he Instagram? on the bench when he was tweeting it? Mm-hmm, probably just oh. like that with those little gloves. Um, no, <laughs> I mean, I yeah, I don't know. Before we, I'll, that'll lead us to our before we dies. I think before we die, we see Lewisine play this season and do something very impressive that will force the Vikings to keep him in and be the one of their top defensive players as we have projected from when they drafted him. But that's. That's my before we die. It's it's too early to to ring the alarms on Louis Seen. The reason that I think that they are not playing him so far, it's something that's explainable from his profile, and learning should help with it. So we can't we can't do any sort of referendum on Louis Seen. I, I I don't want to do that yet. I I do wish. I mean, like everyone, if you had your druthers, you're hoping that your first round safety, if there's an injury into in, one of your two starting safeties, that that he can play. But we'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm not willing to you know, to say that they wasted that pick yet. My before mm-hmm. we die is I want to see the Minnesota Golden Gophers in the Big Ten title game before I die and before the month of January. That team is really, really good. I think we got to start talking about them more. They went into East Lansing this past week and beat what the ever-loving heck out of the Michigan State Spartans in a game where Kirk Cousins was probably at home crying. Maybe that's why he started off so poorly. He'd he'd witnessed his alma mater getting absolutely abused by the Gophers. 
this gopher team is is absolutely for real and we'll see how far they can go but in my power rankings a, a college football with just the numbers the gophers have moved into the top 10 that is a really good team uh mo abram that's all i have to say yeah. Yeah. Don't play games with my heart like that. Not to mention, see, this is where, this is the other, I'm going to throw this at you, Thor. You can't be a Hawkeye fan and a Gopher fan. It is a blasphemy. 364 days a year, I'm a Gopher fan. That's okay. I don't understand how the guy's telling me he wants to see the Gophers win the West and in the title game. And a part of the way to get to the title game and win the West, most assuredly, is beating Iowa. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Which will happen. That's fine. I'm not really um, worried about it. But look, all, all three of us sitting here today have watched the Iowa Hawkeye offense. Um, I and and as we know, I'm a guy who believes in my teams maybe a little bit too much. Um, I think I'm ready to give up my belief in the in the Iowa Hawkeyes making the big title game. They, we did beat Rutgers. Thank yeah. you for bringing that up, Justin. Yeah. That was an enormous win. They yeah. actually got into the 20s in points for the second straight game. <laughs> They'd done so the week before against Nevada. We have seen an offensive explosion out of Iowa, but. I, I can't get there th- this year. And objectively, the Gophers are a better team. I'm already afraid of what my bet with Ross is going to be. I'm going to have to negotiate for points because the way this is trending, the Gophers are going to be favored by two touchdowns in that game at the bank in a, in a month or whenever it is. But like I said, this Gopher team is really, really good. Well, Thor, I will. Uh, you and I will have to talk shop and talk some Gopher football soon. I'm going to circle back and close with my before we die. Our guy, Ryan Wright, and I don't know, does anybody have a height and weight on him? He's a pretty big punter. <laughs> He's, He's bigger uh, than Pete Bursick like, coming he like, up. Yeah, 6'3", 200. And <laughs> 235, 235 right? or yeah. 240. Uh, I think Ryan Wright's going to throw for some passing yards this year. Oh. I think probably on a fake uh, – well, obviously on a fake punt. If okay. he's in that quarterback at any point this year, something's gone horribly <laughs> wrong. So it better be in a fake punt. But Ryan Wright's going to get some passing yards. Wow. All right. I like that one. Yeah, I like that I one. like it. I like it, like it. I like all of you guys for tuning in too. Before We Die brought to you by Purple Daily and Score North. You can find us on all your Purple Daily channels and Score North wherever you listen to podcasts. Get your podcasts over on the YouTube channel. Don't forget to check out our friends Judd and Mackie and Dex and Randy and all those good folks that are out here giving Boone. you like, Boone. I try not to. He doesn't need our help. Dude. Fans, right alex boone you don't need our help but go listen to him as well uh no great content as always we appreciate you guys we appreciate the feedback the comments the chirps whatever burn us down that's fine we'll come back at you with more content on thursday as we look ahead to london and i will bring my worst english accent to such episode oh very much looking forward to it and uh yeah thanks everybody for tuning in score